theme of listening to him. We heard in the gospel just now, listen to him. We heard it in the little, little chant right before the gospel during the Alleluia, listen to him. We heard in the second reading where Peter saying, we, we were up there, we heard the voice. We heard it in the uh, opening prayer and we heard it in the entrance antiphon, which is the little thing that we sing right before we ring the bell, which is all, those are all official parts of the prayers of the mass. So it's almost as if, almost as if the Lord is trying to tell us something. And I think he wants us to listen to him. And it's kind of funny the way that he says it too. It's like, you kind of get, it's not like he's saying like, hey, no, hey, this is my son. He's got really good things to say. You, you'd be advised to listen to him. It's more like a, a frustrated, bewildered parent who says, you're not listening to me. That's the way it kind of comes across. And actually, we'll, we'll go back in the gospel a little bit later, and we'll see where that kind of tone might be coming from. But first, I actually want to look at the opening prayer, that opening collect that we start the, the, the mass with, because I think there's so many beautiful things in here that we can just fly by. And there's so much, it's actually very dense. There's a lot of theology packed in these prayers sometimes and especially today. So let's listen to it again. Oh God, who in the glorious transfiguration of your only begotten son, confirmed the mysteries of faith by the witness of the fathers and wonderfully prefigured our full adoption to sonship, grant we pray to your servants that listening to the voice of your beloved son, we may merit to become co-heirs with him. All right, so let's unpack that. First of all, oh God, who in the glorious transfiguration of your only begotten son, your only begotten son, there's only one begotten son. To beget is to bequeath one's nature. God bequeaths his nature to his son. So they have the same nature. They're consubstantial. They're one in being. They're both fully God, light from light, true God from true God. Okay, so right off, right off the bat, your only begotten son, but wait for it, you've wonderfully prefigured our full adoption into sonship. So there's another way to be son, and that's to be adopted into sonship. We were adopted into sonship at our baptism. We became sons with the only son, the only begotten son. And then a little bit later, listening to the voice of your beloved son, he's, he's not just, oh, begotten, that's a big fancy word. He's beloved, we get that word. And we're beloved in him. We're beloved sons. Let's not, let's not let the, the polemics of modern politically correct society get us bogged down in this word sonship. It's very deliberate. We, we sometimes talk analogously of sonship and daughtership and we're sons and daughters and God. But strictly speaking, we're only sons. Ladies, don't, don't get too bent out of shape about this because the fellas are also brides in the church, which is fundamentally feminine. But we don't want to get, we don't want to get bogged down. We, we, we tend to go towards like, well, no, no, no. These aren't gender realities. These are theological realities, okay? So let's stay, let's stay in that context. So the son, the only begotten son, we were baptized into him, into his body. And then when the father looks at his son, his beloved son, he sees us in him. We are sons in the son. And then it says, by listening to him, we get to merit to be co-heirs. We, we merit the inheritance. 
We, we get the inheritance of Christ because we're, we're with him, we're in him, we're, we're part of him. Well, what's the inheritance? Well, we heard about it in that first reading. It's the everlasting dominion, the fiery throne. We get to be kings. This is, this is actually the desire of every human heart. I mean, who among us has not, you know, when we were little played, you know, king of the mountain or king of whatever. Or I'm, I'm, I'm the king. I'm the queen. We, we do this all the time because there's something in us that desires, desires to, to rule, desires to, to be served, desires the, the, the beauty and the, the magnanimity of being a king. And in Christ, we get that. We get to be king. We get to reign with him. We get to rule with him. It's a great gift, but by how, how, how do we get that? By listening to him. So we want to learn how to listen to Jesus. We want to learn how, what is the, what does the Lord's voice sound like? How does the Lord speak to us? Well, of course, as we all know, the Lord speaks in that gentle, quiet, peaceful, kind, loving voice, Right? Right? I mean, right? Well, are we sure? Let's, let's go back. Let's go back into the gospel. Okay, so right before the transfiguration, all right, so six days before this, we're told, they were in Caesarea Philippi. Peter had just said something profound off the charts. Jesus is accolading him, praising him up and down. And then he says, okay, I got to tell you a secret. We're on our way to Jerusalem. I'm going to be crucified there. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And then Peter, feeling very bold, says, God forbid, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And remember what Jesus says? He says, oh, Peter, that's so nice of you to stick up for me and like that. No, that's not what he says. He says, get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking as God does, but as men do. That's the voice of Jesus. Sometimes. And we can learn a lot in that, actually. Why, why, did, why, is, why, do we, why would we say, and we would say this, and I've said this to many people, if, if there's not peace there, the Lord's not there. The Lord's not saying that. But who am I saying that to? Well, I'm saying that to somebody who's fundamentally following Jesus. He's a disciple of the Lord. His, his whole life is in the trajectory of Christ. And when you're following Jesus, this is what Jesus says to Peter, Peter, get behind me. You can't follow me when you're standing in front of me. Get back behind me so you can follow me. If we're following Jesus, then that's how he speaks to us. He's encouraging. He's beckoning. He's giving us strength. He says, hey, come on. You got this. We can do this. And it's going to be a voice of peace. But if we're facing the other direction... If we're, if we're not aligned with Christ, but rather against him, we're kind of like moseying off in our own direction, then when he wants to get our attention, he'll bite and sting. And we've all, we've all had that experience too. Parents, you've all done that to your children. When they're running into the road, you don't say, Billy, that doesn't sound like a great place to play. No, you yell, stop, don't move, come back here right now. That's the same with our Lord. That's, that's how he gets our attention. And so we, we have to know that. We have to know how, which direction am I facing? Because sometimes, and 
I'm speaking to a bunch of people who are here on Sunday Mass week after week after week. So my, my general, my presupposition here is that you're trying to follow Jesus. But we all know that sometimes we fail. And sometimes we kind of start ignoring Jesus. And sometimes we go through our week and, you know, haven't prayed or we've missed mass and we didn't go to confession and now I'm actually, I'm actually kind of wandering a little bit. I'm not, I'm not like way off the track, but I'm wandering. And it's in those times that the evil one disguises his voice as the good shepherd. And so he'll whisper to us and he'll be really calm and kind. And he'll say, oh, no, no, that's really hard. You, you don't have to do that. Don't worry about that. It's not a big deal. You're going to be fine. No, you won't die if you take that fruit. You'll become like God. That's the evil one. Sounds very nice. Very calming. It's, it's kind of what I want to do anyway. But it's not the Lord. It's always going to lead us into trouble. So here, here's, a little, here's a little secret and how we can tell, because if we're hearing that kind of calm disposition, that calm, gentle voice, how do I know? Am I, am I facing the right direction? You know, that's, that's one. But here's, here's another clue. And Jesus says this right after, right after he yells at Peter. He says, if you want to be my disciple, I want to be his disciple. Let's listen up. If you want to be his disciple, my disciple, pick up your cross and follow me. And there it is. There's the secret. Because what the evil one is always going to say is going to have something to do with just laying down the cross. Oh, no, no, no. The Lord would never ask you to carry a cross so heavy. You don't need to do that. Don't worry about that. If, you, if he's calling you to lay down the cross, it's not the Lord. Because the Lord is always encouraging us to pick up the cross and follow him. This is very much the spirit and voice of the world. We hear this all over the place. This is one of the things that the world, the media, chastise the church to no end. Why are you imposing such burdens on these people? Well, we're just trying to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. We even hear this, some, some voices in the church itself, bishops, priests, who say, oh, no, 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 just lay down the cross. You don't have to follow that particular rule, that particular commandment. God would never ask that of you. That sounds really nice. I feel really good when they say that. And it sounds a lot like the enemy's voice because they're telling me to put down my cross. If there's one thing that the enemy hates, it's the cross. He hates the cross. So let's, let's learn here. Let's learn from, from Peter's mistake. Remember, Peter, Peter, get behind me. Get behind me, Satan. And Peter, the same one who, who wrote the letter that we heard today, said we were up there. We heard, we heard his voice. I think this is a changing point for Peter. Okay, we're going to Jerusalem. We're going to go to Jerusalem. We're going to suffer. And we're going to die. But if we're following the Lord, if we're picking up our cross... We're not doing it alone. He's there with us and his voice will always be a voice of encouragement, will always be a voice of peace. You can do it. You got this. I know it's hard. 
but I'm with you. And at the end, at the end, you reign. You're a king. You're victorious. So let's ask the Lord on this great feast of the transfiguration for that grace. I just want to close with the prayer. We'll actually close the mass with this prayer. This will be the final prayer we hear. But again, it's beautiful uh, encouragement after we've received Holy Communion, the strength for this journey. May the heavenly nourishment we have received, O Lord, we pray, transform us into the likeness of your Son, whose radiant splendor you willed to make manifest in his glorious transfiguration. May the Lord, through our, our prayer, our time of silent adoration, our time of reading the scriptures, help us to know his voice and to follow the good shepherd.